Hello, greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Davis Bamigoy, and I'm going to be your host today. Today, I just want to welcome you delightfully to church. I'm so happy to see you. Now, last week, we started a topic called Arise, Go Over This Jordan. That was an instruction that God gave to Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 1, when God told him to take leadership responsibility and take the children of Israel across to the other side. We learned a number of lessons during that period. But today, God did not stop there. God continued giving Joshua some instructions. And I want to just talk about a few of them today. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 1 from verse 6 to 9 today. And in there, God constantly says two words that I just want to rehash today. And those words were, be bold and courageous. What does it mean to be bold and courageous? Why does God have to say, be bold and courageous to Joshua. What is the relevance of those statements to Joshua and what do they mean to you today? Before we step into the detail of the conversation, I want to remind you what's coming up next is our worship experience. Stay tuned for the worship experience and then I'll be back to expand on you to you what God has been telling me. Until then, I'll speak to you soon. God bless you. Never be more love than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more love than I am right now.
there's a vision in your heart. That vision was placed there by God. The provision for that vision has been made available before you showed up. God did not scratch his head and say, what am I going to give this child now that he started this vision? No. It's, it started, the vision was provided for you before you, before you came here. Praise God. Now that you know what to do, what are the steps that you are going to take? First of all, remember, your breakthrough is on the other side of obedience. Number two, embrace the vision that you have been given. Number three, as you start on that vision, remember the promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Number four, carry a God consciousness as you go on that journey. Praise God forevermore. Hello, welcome to church. I hope you've had a fantastic time during the worship experience like I have. Today we're going to continue the topic we started last week called Arise, Go Over This Jordan. But today God is going to give us a new instruction as we prepare ourselves as a group to go over the Jordan. We're going to be reading from the text Joshua chapter 1 from verse 6 to 9. Praise God. Now, if you can open up your Bible and let us read. Amen. Joshua chapter 1 verse 6 to 9 says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto these people shall you divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Turn not for me to the right or to the left, that you may prosper whithersoever way you goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you whithersoever thou goest. Praise God. So that is the text we are going to be looking at today. But today we are only going to be focusing on verses 6, 7, and 9. Because verse 8, verse eight is actually a different one that we are going to cover at another time. Praise God. So the topic of today, which is a, a sequel to what we started last week, is called Be Bold and Courageous. When you look at this text that God was sharing with Joshua, on the cusp of Joshua taking on the leadership responsibility to take the children of Israel to the Promised Land, there were two words that stand out. Those two words were, be bold and be courageous. Now, why would God ask Joshua to be bold? Why would God ask Joshua to be courageous? The same question God is asking, you might be asking yourself right now is, why would God ask me to be bold? Why would God ask me to be courageous? As he has painted a picture in my heart of what he wanted me to do. Why do I need to be bold and courageous? The truth of the matter is, boldness and courage are two attributes required to be able to succeed in life. You know, there's a, there's a saying I, I learned recently which says, fortune favors the bold. What does that mean? It means that when you're bold and courageous, you are going to attract to yourself the things which God has asked you to do. The truth of the matter is, it doesn't take a lot of effort to follow the earth. It doesn't take a lot of effort at all. Uh, this reminds me again of a story I heard about a pack of, a pack of um, sheep flocking together in the middle. They were staying there. They were flocking together. Now, all of a sudden, one of the sheep decided to go 
and leave the, the pit in which you were feeding to go to another side. And guess what the rest of the people did? The rest of the sheep did? They pulled the sheep back. Why is that? Because <clears throat> fortune or calamity rather, calamity rather, this requires a crowd to move together. If you're working with people that are not going anywhere and all of a sudden you decide to move in a different direction to make something out of your life, guess what they're going to be saying? They're going to be saying, why are you doing that? Why do you want to leave us behind? And that's why in order to break free from the past, God recommends to you that you should be bold and you should be courageous. Praise God forevermore. All right. So these two words, be bold and courageous, were the words that God was constantly telling Joshua, be bold and courageous, be bold and courageous. So let's talk about being bold. The word boldness there in Joshua chapter 1, uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 6, 7, and 9 is also translated in, in other translations as the word strength. Being bold is the same thing as being strong. But the strength that God is talking about here is he talking about the physical strength? That let your strength be based on the physical strength you have. Is, it, is God saying that you should be like <laughs> Hawk, you know, the, the mighty Hawk that has got a lot of strength, a lot of power? No, I don't think that's what he's saying here. You know, the be bold and courageous, the only way to understand being bold there is when we look at the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And the power of his might be strong in the lord and the power of his might i have the, the the passion translation here which i'm going to read it says now my beloved ones i have saved the most important truths for last be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the lord jesus stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you the bible here is saying that I haven't said all that needed to be said. There's one important instruction that is important. In order to live the life that God has called you to do, in order to get to the destination that God has in store for you, you must be strong in the Lord. You must allow your strength to be in the Lord. The key word there is the word I am, which is in the Lord. God wants you to be strong in Him. What does that mean? It means God wants you to uh, be, have a consciousness of the fact that you are infused together with Him. So if you are going to do something, you must carry a consciousness that God is the one doing it. Just this morning, I was doing a study in the book of Exodus, and I read something that was quite profound, which I would like to share with you. What I read there in the book of Exodus chapter 4, from verse 1 to, to, uh, to 20, was that when Moses was called, Moses started coming up with excuses why he couldn't go in and take the children of Israel out of the promised land. He said, I could not speak. He said, I'm a stammerer. He began to look at the attributes that he has in his life that suggest that he is not capable or adequate for what God has called him to do. It's amazing to me though that in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible says that, uh, that God is the one who has enabled us to become ministers of the new covenant. God himself is the one who has equipped us, enabled us, and called us to be ministers of the new covenant. Which means if you were called to be a minister of the new covenant like you are called, it is God himself who has called you. It's God himself who has enabled you. It's God himself who is going to infuse you with the power to do the work that he has called you to do. Now, we apply that to the new covenant. But you know, we could apply that as, at the same time to your life. 
to the goal, to the vision, to the things that are in your heart that God has asked you to do. If God has called you to do something, I want you to know that God is more than able to equip you to be able to achieve that which he has called you to do. Praise God. So when we were talking about the story of Moses earlier, Moses began to give excuses why certain things could not be done. And God said to him, what do you have in your hands? Moses took the rod, said, I have the rod, the rod that he was using as a shepherd man to, 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 to take care of the sheep. God said to him, throw it on the floor. He threw the rod on the floor. The rod became a serpent. And God said to him, take the rod again. He took the rod, uh, he took the serpent by the tail and the, the serpent became a rod back. God asked him to put his hands in his, in his chest, in his bosom. And the hand, when God asked him to remove it, the hand became so leprous or so white and became, it became leprous. And, but amazing thing happened. At that point in time, the rod of Moses was still being called the rod of Moses because it's just an ordinary rod being used to, to, to herd the sheep. But in Genesis, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 20, the Bible says that Moses took his family and his wife and the rod of God. From that point forward, the rod of Moses was never referred to again as the rod of Moses. From that point forward, he became the rod of God. What transpired between Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 and verse 20 was because Moses now has come to the end of himself, has taken the rod, that which looks simple, that which looks so simple, that which looks, you know, inconsequential and has placed it in the hand of God. And the hands of God now resting upon this, this materia turning to become the weapon of God. Praise God. What gift do you have right now? What talent do you have right now that you have been disdaining and said it's nothing? God is asking me to tell you, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Look at that gift you have. Look at that talent that God has given you and do what with it. Place them in the hand of God and let God work his magic. Work God work his miracle through the gift that he has given you. Praise God. So God is in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. God is encouraging you that above all the things you want to do, he wants you to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? It means to carry a consciousness of being in the Lord. We must carry a consciousness that we are united together with Christ. We must carry a consciousness that we are seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. When we carry this consciousness, the Bible makes us to understand that we are going to be supernaturally infused with the power to do supernatural things. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you think you don't have boldness, here's an exercise that I want you to try going forward. When you wake up in the morning, I've got an affirmation here that I want you to, to, to pay attention to. I want you to say, I stand victorious today and in every moment of this day. For God's power is actively working in me. I affirm that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This scripture is saying you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The word through there is from the word dia, D-I-A in the Greek language. It means that which is a conduit of. The Bible here says you can do supernatural things through the conduit of God who provides strength to you. But where is that strength coming from? The strength is already in your spirit. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says you were infused with the Spirit of God. So now as you yield your life to this supernatural Spirit of God, 
in the place of prayer, in the place of affirmation, by seeing yourself the way God sees you, you, not, you then empower his power to be able to flow through you. So when God was talking to Joshua to be bold and courageous, he's essentially saying, Joshua, put your eyes on me. Put your eyes on me. Don't look at anybody else. Remember, for those of you who joined last week, I spoke about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, and I was talking about Moses, that Moses was able to do amazing stuff for the Lord because he, he was seeing him who is invisible. Who is your focus on right now? As you start on that journey that God has called you to, who is your focus on? If your focus is on the Lord, who is going to do the work, then you don't have to worry at all. When you start, just say, Father, you are the one doing the work. You are the one doing the work. I can tell you for a fact that when you start on the journey of what God has called you to do, the enemy is going to bring thoughts into your mind to make you think it can't be done. Who do you think you are? Anytime the thoughts come up, just say, it is my father who is doing the work. Praise God. So God wants you to be bold and courageous in what he has called you to do. And being bold and courageous means you carry a consciousness of the fact that you are already united together with Jesus, which means what God can do, you can do. What Jesus Christ can do, you can do because his life is flowing through you. Amen. Praise God. All right. So that's one thing we covered there. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, I want to read this. It says, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is already at work in us. Ephesians 3.20 God is able to do immeasurably more than, 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 than what we ask or think or imagine in proportion to the power that is already at work in us. You see here that God is able to make us to do greater things than we ever ask. Greater things than we ever think. Greater things than we ever imagine. If, I, if you can imagine it, God is able to do much more than that. But how is that possible? He says, through the power that is already at work in you. It's in proportion to that power that's at work in you. But guess what? What is the power that is at work in you? The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus Christ from among the dead now lives inside you. So if you can carry a consciousness that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you, then the Bible here says God is able to do immeasurably more than what you can ask, what you can think, what you can imagine. If you have a vision in your heart today and you're wondering how is this going to work, God has sent me to tell you that God is able to do more than that. But what do you need to do? Start with affirming that God can do it. I praise God. Start by affirming that God can do it. Start by shifting your attention from yourself to the one who can do it. Start by shifting your attention from the one that raised Lazarus from the dead. Start by shifting your attention from the one, from yourself to the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. Stop saying, I cannot do it. Stop saying, it is not possible. Shift your conversation. God sent me to you to tell you today that you must embrace the vocabulary of success. Yes, embrace the vocabulary of success. Says it can be done. We are going to do it. It is happening. Why? Because Christ in me is the hope of glory. I'm able to do supernatural things through the one who strengthens me. Praise God. All right. Now, I want to show you something that is important here. In this Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, you know when the Bible says, God is able to do immeasurably more immeasurably more there's a scripture in book of first kings i believe it's chapter 10 verse 13 when queen sheba came to solomon solomon was the richest man that ever lived according to the bible but this solomon was so wealthy that he has people working for him all over the place now 
there's a queen in, in a queen of Queen Sheba of Ethiopia that came around, heard about the fame of of Solomon, and came around and bought brought her entourage, you know, to to, to Solomon to come and um, see what what his kingdom was made of. And um, she she brought a lot of gold, a lot of um, minerals. She got bought a lot of gifts for Solomon. But when she was going, the Bible recorded in First Kings chapter ten verse thirteen. I'm going to read it. it says. King Solomon, in turn, gave to the Queen of Sheba everything that she wanted, whatever she asked, beside what he gave to her from his royal bounty. Praise God. So she returned to her own country, she and her servant. So essentially what he's saying here, everything that she wanted, everything that she asked, Solomon gave. When the Bible used the word immeasurable more, this is the same word that we use there when it says gives more than enough. Our God is the God of more than enough. You know, this, the, the song that we sang in the worship experience says, more than enough, more than enough, more than enough. In fact, towards the end of that song, you could say it, it says, God is able to do more than enough according to his power that is at work in us. That's essentially Ephesians chapter, chapter 3, verse 20. It says God is able to do more than that. But how will God do that? When you shift your attention away from yourself, and you shift your attention to the God who is able to do more than enough. Praise God. So when God is telling, was telling Joshua, be bold and courageous. When he's saying, be bold, be bold, be strong, be strong in the Lord. He said, be strong in me. You can do nothing outside of me. God is saying, God is saying to you, if you can shift your attention on Jesus, the finished work of Jesus Christ, then you are able to do and achieve immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Whatever vision that is in your heart right now that you think is too big, I'm telling you, it is small thing for the Lord Jesus. If you can just yield that and turn that to him and say, Lord, I yield to you, I turn that to you. I need you to just take it over. And then he will begin to give you instructions one step at a time on what to do with that which he has given you. Praise God forevermore. Now, let's go on to the next topic here. We've talked about being bold. I want to talk about being courageous. You see, courage is the hallmark of royalty. Courage is the hallmark of royalty. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. That thing is, you're afraid of it, but you're doing it anyway. You know, courage doesn't mean the, the, the uh, lack of fear or lack of trepidation. Courage means in the midst of fear and trepidation, but because of the vision that, is, that lies ahead of you, you are going to take step anyway. So it might seem as if you're taking the step that it's like, oh, everything is going down, but you're moving forward anyway, because what is ahead of you, the picture that's been painted for you is bigger, is bigger than the, the, the things that are trying to hold you back. So courage is the ability to move and do things despite and in spite the fear that you may, you may sense. And that is a hallmark of royalty. Another word for courage is the word bravery, to be brave. To be brave means it doesn't mean uh, you're not you're not tired. It doesn't mean you are not subject to the vicissitudes of life. It doesn't mean that. To be brave means, in light of the compelling vision ahead of you, you are going to take the step anyway. What has God called you to do? If that vision that God has called you to do has become so big in your heart, bigger than the problems, then of a necessity you have to take step. As we go through this study, I'm going to share with you something that God told Joshua. The one thing that God told Joshua in the in the midst of all of this instruction that created a picture of hope for Joshua. Because you cannot have courage without hope. Courage is the ability to see, to take action in light of the hope or in light of the expectation of good that you expect to get on the other side. 
Praise God. So your vision for your life must be so compelling that you are willing to take the step even though you are afraid taking the step, but you're taking the step anyway because you know that is the right thing to do. Praise God. Now, when we talk about courage, courage is the opposite of discourage. You know, you have courage, you have encourage, and you have discourage. Courage, we've spoken about it, ability to just take step and move forward, bravery to move forward towards a, a vision that you want to do, even though things might not look like it's going to work, right? But discourage, discourage is when you take courage away from somebody, that person becomes weak, they because becomes tired, that person becomes despondent, that person becomes hopeless. When somebody is discouraged, they lose the vavavoom of life. They lose the ability to do things that they want to do. They stop enjoying life because they've been discouraged. Now, discouragement is one of the weapons of the enemy. Discouragement is one of the weapons of the enemy. And when do we become discouraged? When things are not panning out the way we want. When it seems like we're stuck in the same place. When it seems like we're not moving forward. When we look at our lives and we look at other people that we may have started the race together and they seem to fall so far ahead and we think, why am I on the same spot? The devil starts to whisper this thought in your mind and then discouragement steps in. And when you're discouraged, you lack the ability to fight, you know, the agility to move. You lack it because you, you, you're trying to throw punch, but you're, you're throwing punches, that feeble punch is not hitting anywhere. God wants you to be encouraged. Now, the word encourage is to be filled, to be infilled in or indwelled with courage. Now, nobody in the Bible, as I step into this story now, nobody in the Bible, as far as I know, is been, is been um, challenged, more challenged with discouragement than a, a, a person named King David. King David was a man who was called by God even way before he was born. He was called by God. He was, he was called by God because when God told Saul, uh, when God told Samuel rather, that he has found a man after his own heart, David was not even born when God made that statement. So David was already found by God way before David was born. David was put in the backwaters of life. Nobody even mentioned him. You know, he was a shepherd boy. The father didn't even reckon with him. You know, he wasn't a man that has that that was gallant or valiant in the in the physical. You know, so he couldn't be sent to war. He was just but a child. But when God, when God, when it was time for God to showcase David, something miraculous happened. Something happened through the time that David was being prepared in the desert. David came on the scene and David taught us some lessons I want to go through today about what does it mean to be bold and courageous. You see, the reason why I chose David, there are other people in the Bible. In fact, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, you see those people that are called the heroes of faith. Every one of those people called the heroes of faith is a person of courage. Person of courage. But today I'm choosing David because there's something I learned in, in, in the life of David when I was looking at the story of, uh, of, of David killing Goliath that I want to share with you this morning. Praise God. All right, let's step into it. Let's step into it. You see, I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 71. Chapter 17, sorry. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read from verse 31 to 50. Amen. Now, um, there's something I want to start with is here. As I step through this conversation, I'm going to be relating that back to your own life. I'm going to be saying, okay, try and relate this to your life and let's take lessons from it. Praise God. Now, if I cannot finish this thing today, uh, because I think I've got, I've got about 18 minutes left now. If I cannot finish this thing today, we'll continue next week. But honestly, I want you to take it as an assignment and make, do a study, a deep dive on this. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we step in? Praise God. All right. 
verse 13 the bible says and when the when the words were heard which david spake they rehearsed them before saul and he sent for him and david said to saul let no man's heart fail because of him that servant will go and fight with the philistine now the background to this was that there's a man named there was a man named goliath goliath was a giant okay and Goliath was a giant that um, from the as part of as part of the Philistines. The Philistines were people who were arch enemies of <laughs> arch enemy of Israel. They always come in to torment them. So now they have got this giant that when the giant was roaring in the camp and was saying, "He has power. Let him come. I'm going to crush. Him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that." There was nobody among the soldiers that could come because they were so fearful. They were looking at things in the natural and they were fearful. But David, when David came and was hearing the obscenities coming from the, this guy's mouth, David was so riled up. I said, what is going on here? Can somebody tell me what's going on here? And the king also has promised that anybody who will defeat this guy, he was going to give the person a, a bounty, a reward. David heard these things and David began to say, let no man's heart fail. That's the first word he said. Let no man's heart fail. You know the word, let no man's heart fail, is in other translation it says let no man's courage fail because of him so the word heart and the word courage seem to be synonymous in this text why is that important is because when the enemy comes to attack you when i spoke earlier about discouragement the enemy comes to attack you first in your heart if the enemy can get to paint a picture of hopelessness in your heart then he's got you you know you cannot attract what god has in store for you when you live constantly in despondency god doesn't want you to live a life of despondency god wants you to live a life that is riddled with hope so the first thing that david did here was to do what was to talk about the father let not your heart fail let the heart of people not fail why because the bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks the bible also teaches us that as a man thinks in his heart so easy the bible also says to us that you know out of the heart comes the issues of life the heart determines the boundaries of your life so if anybody can get into your heart they can paint fear in your heart they got you I remember two years ago when I when I when my family returned back to the United Kingdom and I was in between jobs. I remember that one of those period I allowed fear to enter into my heart, like, oh, there's no job in the market. What's gonna go on here? You know, even though I was trying to pray, but you know, the picture I was holding in my heart was like, you know, things were not going well. There's Brexit, blah blah. Nothing was going. So in the middle of the night, one day in the middle of the night, I rose up to pray. I said, God, there's something wrong here. And you know what? When God wants to change your life, God will give you a word. Like He's gonna give you a word today. And God said, son, but you are royalty. I started praying. I think it was 2 o'clock in the morning. I didn't. I don't think I prayed more than 15 minutes. And I just heard the word, but you are royalty. It was like somebody slapped me in the face. Why? Because God basically says, you are a king's child, but you are thinking like a servant. You think that your resources in life is tied to the economy of where you live. Your resources, what, what will make you to become who, you, who I've called you to be, is not tied to the economy of the earth. Is based on the economy of heaven and in heaven guess what there's no sickness there's no poverty there's no joblessness you know god god go retune my mind just in that 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 moment it was an encounter and i just stopped praying people i stopped praying i said what what's going on here and i said i'm sorry sorry that i allow i allow fear to enter into my heart allow this this conversation this insidious feeling of of fear to enter into my heart i'm sorry and guess what people Within that same month, I got a job. If I got a job 
Everything happened in 48 hours. I saw the job at 7 o'clock, applied, got interviewed that same day. The next day, I went to meet, do the second interview. The, the third day, they gave me the job, just like that. How did that happen? Because God changed my mind. Here, he's saying, let your heart not fail you. God doesn't want you to paint a picture of defeat in your heart. Because if the picture of defeat grips your heart, then there's nothing that you can do. Let me give you an instance as well in the life of Jesus. In the book of Luke chapter 9, when you have a moment, go back and read it. Luke chapter 9, from verse 10 to verse 16, the Bible talks about Jesus Christ had a crisis moment in his ministry. What was the crisis moment? This, the crisis moment essentially was that, uh, was that Christ had to feed 5,000 people. And these 5,000 people, what happened was they only had five loaves and two fish. <laughs> and they, they, they told Jesus, I said, what is this among so many people? You might be saying today, this vision that God has given to me is so big, what do I have among these people? What, how can I stand up against what I have been doing this thing before I showed, showed up there? And God has asked me to tell you, it is not what you have, it is what I can do with what you have. Now, going back to the story of Jesus, this guy took the five loaves and two fish. The Bible said he did something with it in verse 6. He said, the Bible says he looked up to heaven and break it. And they gave it to the disciple and they began to distribute it, all right, to the people. And the Bible says this bread multiplied in their hands. 5,000 men got fed with five loaves and two fish. You know, the, the boy that brought five loaves and two fish to that camp to listen to Jesus, they didn't probably know that that five loaves and two fish were going to be used for something substantial like that. But a whole people, a whole generation of people were fed because of five loaves and two fish. Praise God forevermore. But I want to show you something that God told me and God showed me in that scripture that will bless you. And I hope this, even if this is the only thing you got out of this message, it is more than enough. It's more than worth it. Let me show you. You see, the Bible says in verse 16, the miracle the miracle that really happened to the five loaves and two fish that fed 5,000 men. Remember, 5,000 men doesn't mean 5,000 men because he, let's say each man has a wife. That's 10,000 people. Let's say each couple has a child. That's 15,000 people. So in that camp, they may have, be, they may have been up to 15,000 people. They may have been up to, you know, 20,000 people. That's like a whole village, a whole city, a whole town, right? Got fed with five loaves and two fish. Just think about that. Think about where you live right now. Think about maybe, maybe 200 houses where you live right now and it becomes it's like a colony and the what you got fed for lunch all of you together 15,000 people was just five loaves and two fish that doesn't make any sense in the natural it doesn't make any sense but that's what the Lord Jesus did let me show you something here that really really blessed me some years ago God showed me here and from that day I started, I started as much as possible to bless what I have instead of how much I have. That's very important because it makes all the difference. Let me go, let's go back to this, to the, to the, to this text. Verse 16 says, Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and break and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. Now, the key word here, if you look at this action is he took the five loaves and five loaves and two fishes, right? He looked up to heaven and then he blessed the five loaves and two fish. He gave it to the people and they would give it to, to the multitude, right? Okay, let's see what happened here. So he took the five loaves and two fishes, five loaves and two fishes, right? 
But the first thing he did was what? He looked up to heaven. Now, I went to look at the Greek meaning of that word, looked up to heaven. The Greek meaning of it is anablepo. Anablepo. And anablepo means recover sight. Recover sight. It's the same word that was used for blind Bartimaeus, recovering sight. So I asked the Lord, I said, God, what do you mean by Jesus Christ recovering sight? He wasn't blind. He's the one who is the healer. You know, what does that mean? And God said to me, when he looked up to heaven, he saw the resources of heaven. Praise God. And that recovered sight. Here are five loaves and two fish. But in heaven, when you look up in heaven, the storehouse is filled with more than enough. Praise God. That blesses me so much. You know, essentially what he's saying here is this. In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no depression. In heaven, there's no anxiety. In heaven, there's no fear. In heaven, there's no lack. When Christ looked up to heaven, he recovered sight. Then he brought that sight back to that, to those that are five loaves and two fish. And when he brought it back to that, the five loaves and two fish, guess what? He then pronounced a blessing on it. Now, let me explain to you what has happened here. There's a perception change. Christ took himself away from the obvious lack that is available, took his eyes up to heaven where there is abundance, brought his sight back on the bread and the, and the fish that he's got in his hand, then opened his mouth to bless, pronounce the, the abundance of heaven on the, on the bread and the fish that he has in his hand. He pronounced the blessing on those things, then he gave them out. Now, what does that have to do with you? Right? Let's look at that. You got something in your hand that you've been disdaining. You got a job, you got a husband, you got a wife, you got whatever it is that you've got that you think is this is not much. I've got this talent that God has given me, but it's not much. God is asking me to tell you, don't say it is not much. Nothing is no, nothing is too little when the presence of God overs over it. What you must do right now is take the five loaves and two fish that you've got in your hand looked up to heaven take the presence of heaven the viewpoint of heaven the perspective of heaven and put it on the five loaves and two fish and then begin to pronounce a blessing on it say my hands are blessed my talent is blessed i am a blessed child of god begin to say those things out of your mouth pronounce a blessing on what you have then begin to give it out begin to use it to serve other people take your talent use it to serve other people but remember before you serve other people with your talent you must do what you must bless the talent first you must bless the gift first you must bless the job first so today you might be on the call you might be watching this and you say but i don't have much god says what do you have in your hands the same thing you have in your hand is what god can bless you know when elijah went to meet that woman of zarephath and he said make the make the meal for me first God, we always use something in your hands to, to, to give you a blessing. You know, God cannot bless an empty hand, can he? And praise God, God did not create anything called empty. There's no one on the core today that God has created, that God has made, that he didn't give you a talent or a gift to bless the world with. Praise God. You didn't come here empty-handed. That's what I'm saying to you. You came here fully loaded, fully packaged for the destiny that God has called you to. The question is, will you rise up? Will you take what you have right now and bless it? Will you be courageous 
to take what you have and say, you know what, I'm going to step out. It might not look like much in the natural, but I'm, that's all I've got anyway. I'm going to take it out. I'm, I'm going to trade with it. I'm going to do business with it. And as I do business with it, I know the blessings of God is upon it because I have looked up to heaven. I have anablepoed it. I have recovered sight. I have changed my perspective about what I have. And I, now I'm putting the blessing of God upon it because I am conferring upon the gift that I have been given the realities of heaven. And as I pronounce the realities of heaven on what that which I have, I know and I know and I know that as the blessings of God rest upon the gift that I have and I give it out to serve other people, that the multiplication will begin to happen. Multiplication only happens when you take what you have been given and begin to use to serve other people. God is in the people's business. What do you have today? And how can you use that which you have today to bless other people? That's a challenge that God is posing to you today. That you should take an action today and say, you know what? I'm going to do an assessment, an inventory of the gift that God has given me. And I'm going to say, Father Lord, I change my viewpoint. I stop diminishing that which you have given me. Today, from today, I take a decision to say, you have given me the best gift that I need for my destiny, that I need for what you have called me to. And because that's what I need for what you have called me to, I am going to take it. I am now pronouncing blessing upon it. And as I pronounce blessing upon it, I'm going to take an action of faith now to begin to serve other people with it. And as I begin to serve other people with it, I know, I know that you're Multiplication is going to come upon it. Multiplication only comes when we serve other people with the gift that God has given us. Praise God forevermore. So, this is what you must do. You must protect your heart from the image of negativity. That's point number one. That's the one thing that, that David did in that verse 31. David said, David, the verse 21 and verse 2, David said, Let no man's heart or let no man's courage fail because of him. I will go and fight him. Praise God. All right, I've got four more minutes to talk and I'm going to run this up now. Now, point number two. We're going to continue the rest next week by the grace of God. Point number two here, I want to make you, to, I want you to know is that um, when you have a desire to do something, just like David, there's a voice behind your head that will be telling you it cannot be done. Nobody has done it before. Don't listen to the naysayers. I'm saying to you, don't listen to the naysayers. The naysayer could be the voice in your head. Or it could be the voice of your friend. Yes, those are the naysayers. Don't listen to the naysayers. Because if you do listen to the naysayers, you are going to circumvent what God is planning to do in your life. God is asking to tell you, take possession and take charge of the gift that you have been given. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't say it cannot be done. When you look at the resources around you, you are going to be afraid. With that, I don't have the resources, I don't have the money, but God gave me this vision. Listen to me. The person who gave you the vision has the provision for that vision before the vision was given. The one who gave you the vision has a provision for the vision before the vision was given. Your job, my job, is to take that which we have and take the step of faith and say, I am going to step out anyway and do what God has called me to do. David here, when David said, when, when, when David told uh, them not to be afraid, guess what? King Saul said, verse 33, Saul said to David, you are not able to go. <laughs> you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth. But he is a man of war from his youth. You are but a youth. You are but a child. Nobody has done that before. Who do you think you are? Where do you think you are going? Who is your father? Do you have connection? Do you know anybody? That is the voice ringing in your head. But God is sent me to tell you, do not listen to the naysayers. 
do not listen to the naysayers. Don't say, oh, oh, look at what they're saying. They say it cannot be done, so I'm not going to do it. God's asking me to tell you, don't listen to the naysayers. Because if you listen to the naysayers, you are not going to go anywhere. You're going to stay on the same place because, you remember what I said earlier about the herd effect? If you listen to the naysayers, you're going to stay in the pack of the herds. You're not going to go anywhere. Courage requires for you to start out even alone. Because when you start out alone on the journey that God has called you to do, the people that God has ordained for to help you will begin to come. But they will not come until you have taken the step. So today, as a roundup, I want you to take an action of courage. Here's an exercise I want you to do. When you get home, when you, get, when you have a moment later, do an inventory, what I call a profit and loss. <laughs> on, a tab, on a paper, on the left, people that taking away from you on the right people that giving to you what i mean by associations associations in your life that are profiting you those ones that are parasite taking away from you list them out the ones that are parasitical make a decision to cut them off because the voice of negativity will stop you from getting to where you want to go praise god all right so you got to take that action that's your takeaway home action for this week all right and i'll see you next week Praise God. All right, so this is what, what we can do today. Uh, we're going to continue the rest next week. All right, so I just want to say thank you very much for listening to me. Now, I want to give you an opportunity for, to you if you have never given your life to Jesus. You've been hearing this broadcast right now from wherever you are in the world, but you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus, make him your Lord and Savior. It's very simple, really. The Bible says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, which means... When you believe in your heart that God literally killed his own son on the cross for the sin of the world, of the world, of which yours is part of it. And that sin now is been paid for. And God is basically asking you that you give your life to Jesus. You trust in that sacrifice that was made for you. So if you will repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, I come to you and I believe that you died for my sin and the sin of the world. I am so grateful for your payment today. I give my life to you. I thank you that the sin, the, pay, the, the death you died, you died for me. The sins that you paid for, they are my sin. So today I stand victorious because you have died in my place. I receive you now into my life as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. The Bible says if you have said those words because you believe them in your heart, you are not saved. You're not, your name is not written in the book of life. Now I can call you my brother and my sister. Praise God. Now I've got a gift for you. In, in, if you're watching this in the live um, online portal, you will see a link that says, that gives you a free book called The Call to Sonship. Please pick up the book read it it's going to begin to tell you your new identity in jesus it's a five-day devotional that will just walk you through who you are who you are now in jesus and the lord will bless you as you do that praise god all right now for those of you who want to give to the church there's going to be something flagging on the screen um i just want to pray for you please you can use your your back uh, your phone to take a barcode uh, to take the scanner of the barcode and you can just pay simple five click moment you can you can just give whatever the lord is laying in your heart all right, I'm going to pray now for all of you as we round up. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for those who are giving your life to Jesus Christ today. I thank you because your power is able to keep them. I pray, Almighty God, that you keep this one from the hands of the enemy. That even as they live here, oh God, they will, oh God Almighty God, understand their identity in Jesus and begin to walk in that consciousness in the name of Jesus. I pronounce blessing on everyone who is giving today. And I thank you, oh Lord, that even as they give, more, much more is replenished to them by the law of giving and receiving in the name of Jesus. Father, now I pray for those 
who, who needs help, courage to move forward and take action to receive their destiny. I thank you all, Mary God, that right now you are helping them. You are reshaping the conversation in their minds. That courage is theirs to take. Boldness is theirs to take. That they will carry a consciousness that they are united together with Christ and that is more than enough. Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord, that as they go now in this new week, blessings upon blessings are upon them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, until next time, remember, you are favored and highly blessed. Pass away, your word remains the same.